This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's Didier Dropper. And now it's in the middle. Dropper goes. Hello, welcome to Chesi Hour, brought to you by Touchline Fracas. Um, mm, it's a bit of a strange pod this week, because obviously um, this is the first Chesi Hour since um, the cancelling and postponement of all Premier League games. Um, so we've got no games to report, um, unfortunately. But um, we do want to talk about a couple of things. Um, I've got two great guests, obviously, the regulars um, in Joe. How you doing, bro? Yeah, good, man. Surviving. Surviving at the moment, at least, yeah. Yeah, it's wild out here. And Jermaine, how you doing, man? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, obviously, first of all, we want to talk about the struggle that is not having Premier League football to watch because it is absolutely killing me. Um, I've, but I do actually want to talk about the, the coronavirus and I guess the Prem suspension of games. Um, so obviously, Callum Hudson Odoi being the the most unluckiest player I've, I've ever ever come across. Um, him being the first Premier League player to um, uh, contract the coronavirus. Um, he is apparently um, doing a lot, a little bit better now, or much better. Um, he's he, again, he's got those maddest powers of recovery. He what tore his Achilles, came back within four or five months, got corona, sorted it out in a day or two. The boy is a legend. But the the suspension of games, obviously, I, I think it's the right thing to do. But what do you think the ramifications of the suspension? And if, for example, the cancelling and voiding of the season were to occur, the ramifications would be quite drastic. Um, Where do you think Chelsea sit in regards to this? Because I feel like Chelsea are quite... They're in a... A relatively weird position because I feel like whether it gets voided or they continue or I don't know how they're going to end it because I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of struggling to see how they'll be able to fit that many games in a um, in such a short space of time because they are saying we just heard word from um, the Premier League that it should all come to a close on the 30th of June. Now Chelsea are in a kind of a funny situation because. Currently, you're still in the top four. Last year, we finished in the top four. So, if they're going to use last last year's positioning, we're quite all right. But in terms of financial situation, Joe, I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. Financially, what the, what are the ramifications of what a not finishing the season and um, b just I guess how Chelsea are feeling about the situation? How do you think Chelsea will be feeling about this current situation? I think. I think there's, there's two things that I think you've got kind of a global issue, which is there seems to be some pretty uh, heavy pressure from TV companies to, to force the Premier League to play. I think the June deadline is incredibly ambitious, you know, to say that things will be completed by then. You know, if you're talking about the uh, the Premier League being in breach of, of billions of uh, pounds worth of contracts, then, you know, I think a lot of that will come into place. So, I mean, the, you know, the biggest financial ramifications for me are certainly around that kind of area. I know that the uh, the NBA and a few other uh, sports leagues in America are seeing sort of similar things from TV companies. So I think certainly that's uh, something to be uh, certainly mindful of. In terms of like Chelsea, um, I mean, I think we're, we're kind of in a, a weird position, but I would say maybe more comfortable than, than others. I mean, if we finish the season as it is, we're in fourth we're in the Champions League. If we avoid it and we use last season positions, we're fourth the Champions League, and if we delay it till June, then you know I'd be quietly confident having probably Ruben back to fitness, Callum Hudson Odoi, Pulisic. I mean, we're, we're kind of back almost at, at full strength by then, exactly. so I would make us certainly a bit more, uh, you know, slightly more favoured than what we are at the moment with kind of the bare bones to, to sort of push on and, and claim full. So I, I don't think the club would be too too effective. I mean, obviously there is, you know, the fact that they've they've lost a ton of money on, on gate receipts and just generally sort of TV money and, and all that sort of stuff that yeah. will come in over the next few months and. and and I don't think anyone's really been able to quantify the loss so far. But I don't think Chelsea will be uh, like kind of adversely impacted compared to other clubs. I think it will be sort of fairly kind of you know evenly felt across pretty much everyone, unless you're Man City and you can inject a billions in from you know the Etihad. <laughs> um, little, little little dig there. Yeah, it's, it's one. I, I so, it, man. I um, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think I don't think we're going to be too bad. E- either way, if they if they carry on the season, I think we're, we're, we'll have a stronger team, a stronger squad. They cancel it, and we're obviously we're set with European football um, in terms of money lost. I, I can't see Chelsea being too inversely 
affected compared to uh, other clubs around us. You know, mm. everyone's going to feel the impact of it. So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not saying I'm comfortable with it or confident, but you know, I think that we have less to stress about than others. I agree. So Jay, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on. Wait, first of all, the TV money because obviously Chelsea lost, made a, a significant loss um, last season, and um, we are very, very um, overly even reliant on TV money. Um, to stay somewhat afloat. Obviously, we've still got Roman Abramovich who can pump money into the club. But ideally, Chelsea's model and Chelsea's idea of being a self-sustainable organisation and club, this TV money situation where clubs may have to repay £762 million back to TV companies if the season is not complete, the ramifications will be quite steep. Um, Jay, I, I, I know... Obviously, you are probably the most passion merchant fan amongst us at Chelsea Hour. Um, how are you coping without football? And obviously, do you go along with the idea that we have to finish the season? Or are you quietly content with not finishing, dash your lot, and then we go again next year? Where, you, where do you stand on this? I'm very, very content, yeah, on, on the the season getting cancelled. I really don't give a damn. I, I just wanted to get void. Wait, wait. So you, the most... I, I'm telling you, Chelsea addicted, yeah? <laughs> the most addicted passion merchant out of the lot. You would void the season. You would go through suffering of not watching football just to spite Liverpool. I respect yeah, it, man. You know avoid, what, my guy, yeah. bro. I respect yeah. it, man. I'll avoid it. I, don't, I really don't... I, I don't care, about. Like, realistically, though, but like, I put my bias aside for a second. Yeah, reason, main reason why I think it should get void anyway is because I think that the the the, the other problems that they're going to encounter with with um, I I don't think this Corona thing is going to slow down in it. Agreed. To be fair, so so that's the first thing I think. Like a lot of people are trying to kind of play it down a little bit and talking about how it's going to go away in a couple of months or whatever. And realistically, if you look at everything else that's going on around it. It doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like it's going to be um, calming down anytime soon. Yeah, so that's it, the first thing. Because Italy is accelerating. I, I know there's another 147, um, no, another 427 deaths today, which yeah, is exactly, insane. Exactly. And obviously, we are England are quite behind in terms of the development of the actual um, corona. So it's quite weird like how the Premier League officials... Uh, first of all, they're, they're setting a date of the 30th of April. Or is it the 30th of April? I, f- I believe so, the 30th of April. Yeah. Where uh, games are going to begin. They're trying to say it be- which I find yeah, insane. Bad. I find insane because I feel like that's not even... It probably won't even be at the peak of this pandemic actually arising. It, it won't be there. So I, I find it strange that they're even talking about those kind of dates. I, it's weird. But I guess you have to put down a date for clubs to kind of plan towards. It's just, for me, as a fan, or just just a general fan of football, but also trying to be rational, I don't think that that's actually going to be a date that's possible. And I just think it's just there for, for clubs to plan towards. And if it does, again, extend beyond, and it gets worse, then it will just get pushed back again. But I just, I don't know, the ramifications are quite serious. Yeah, the thing is, though, like, if you look at it as well, it's like, cool, you want it to start um, beginning of May, yeah? They're, they're saying that they want to start they want to start the season again, beginning of May. But realistically, obviously, we've just said 
this corona doesn't look like it's slowing down. And then on top of that, like, I feel like they're selling dreams. They're trying to sell dreams to, like, the fans and the club in terms of making it making it um, clear that, oh, we're going to start the season again. But deep down, and very realistically, they do not know, they don't have a clue when they are going to start football again. Do you see yeah, what I'm saying? Of course. Of so course. It's like for, you to, to, for you to slap down a date and say, oh, well, we're going to look to get it done by May, it's a bit silly, really. Do you know what I mean? Like It's like, one, there's bigger things happening around it. So I don't think like their priority should be to slap a date down. I think they should be trying to work out a, a way to kind of settle the season without even having to rely on finishing it. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. I feel like they're just getting themselves, they're getting themselves in the mud a bit by doing that. I think they should just void it. Void it. Take, take. <laughs> Liverpool fans just have to take the L and then but you just move on. You know what it is, yeah? As, as much as it's uh, it will be a massive L for Liverpool, I think it will be a big L, like massive, massive L for the other Premier League clubs. As I said earlier, £762 million will have to be repaid back to broadcasters. Um Obviously, a big t- TV money makes up a big part of the Premier League, um, Premier League clubs' income, and obviously you have to look at clubs such as like Norwich, Aston Villa, um, yeah, Burnley, uh, Burnley, um, Bournemouth. Again, they rely so heavily That's- on the, even Chelsea. We rely so heavily on um, TV money. Having to repay that is a bit crazy for me. It's a bit. I'm gonna say something a bit wild. I feel like at this current moment in time. Clubs really, well, not even just clubs, I guess whole organisations need to bind together. So rather than penalising one another, um, which again, the final, but it's crazy. I, I I don't think that it's quite right for TV companies to penalise the Premier League clubs for not finishing the season. I feel like they should, because it's not exactly their fault. I've, I believe maybe a proportion of the TV deal money being reimbursed back to the TV um, companies, I think that's fair. But reimbursing everything back, I think that's quite wild. To be perfectly honest, I don't think that's right. Um, is that six? Is that seven two six? Um, yeah, that's, like, that's obviously deal. the four that they want between all the clubs from yeah, all the clubs. Yeah, all in the terms clubs, of like, all the clubs, uh, all the clubs. So it's not it's not necessarily just a Liverpool thing. Um, so I believe there will be a big determination for all clubs to try and get this season finished. But at the end of the day, it may actually come out of their hands. It may be taken out of their hands and government might just say, look, this is just not possible. Unfortunately, this is just not possible. And again, where we're in a a current situation where government are protecting other businesses, it just might be a case where the government might have to step in and I guess start assisting and aiding with certain fines and I guess preventing certain clubs from going out of um out of business. I think there's no there's not like it's not even just the Premier League. You need to think about the lower leagues as well. You've got um well we've got academies closing down. Um it's just it's ridiculous. You need to kind of safeguard the security and the the, the, the future of pretty much every footballing league or a footballing team in across all the leagues in in the UK. So I think it needs to be a lot bigger. It needs to the the, the scope of this this decision needs to be a lot wider and a lot broader than just worrying about Liverpool, worrying about who's getting relegated, worrying about who gets Champions League. It's a lot bigger and a lot deeper than that. If you get what I mean. Yeah, it's a bit peak. It's just it's just a bit mad. It's like the timing as well is not great because it's like obviously where it happens that like, kind of like towards the end of the season. 
you've now got like this little window where you have to try and do it before yeah. the new seed starts. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's where it gets mad hazy because it's like you're going to try and finish all these games, yeah, and then what? Go straight into the next season. It's yeah. like no. money's going to be lost either way, yeah. somewhere. Along, like, you see what the, I'm saying? Obviously, you know that um, Euro 2020 has been cancelled. Um, which I, I believe is the right decision, obviously, because all these leagues have been cancelled, really. And if you're not going to finish it, what, what, what do you do? Uh, they've postponed it until 2021, and again, that that also creates another issue because again, if you start, if you if you try and finish the league by June for, um, June 30th, and then the season then starts again. Um, the middle of August, you're getting a one month window or one and a half month window. It's I, I, it's just it's not really feasible, really and truly. It just doesn't look good in terms of trying to get this season finished. Isn't looking too good, in my opinion. I don't think it's actually going to happen. I'll be very shocked if it does happen. I'll be happy because you get football every two days or every every day. But again, just from a medical standpoint, how feasible is that? How how many players will be willing to be putting their bodies on the line to be playing every one or two days and risking their careers to be playing? I'm not sure that people will be on it and even physically capable of doing it. So there's a lot of questions. Um, okay, the more answers you find for questions brings about more questions. And it's just um, it's a bit of a mess, really, honestly. Um, and it, like Joe was saying earlier, I feel like Chelsea are in a... A relatively decent position regardless because again you're getting back N'Golo Kante, Ruben off the cheek, Hudson Odoi, Christian Pulisic and again your your squad seems to flesh out so if you are asked to play again in June you'll have a fully fit squad um you even have Kante so you you have a fully you have a fully fit squad um oh and Tammy Abraham as well so it's just in that regard, if you ask them to play, cool, fine, play. But again, injuries might come about. I wouldn't want to be risking Ruben off the sheet or Hudson Odoi to be playing every two game, every every two days. I think that that's just madness to me. Because again, players can get injured, and then insurance in that regard. If players get injured because you're playing every two days, who covers that in terms of insurance? It's just it's a bit of a mess, really and truly. And it's it's no one's fault. That's the thing. This is nobody's fault. It, um, it's it's beyond control. At this moment in time, and it's just it's just a, a very very strange situation to be in. And obviously, as a result of all of this Corona stuff, stock markets have plummeted. And our super and I want to give our props to our owner Roman Abramovich, who's an absolute legend, by the way. Um, Roman, bad man for letting um, NHS staff use your hotel, uh, the Chelsea hotel. That's amazing, of uh, free of charge as well. Um, but on a bad note, his wealth—he's lost a lot of money in the stock market. Joe, do you want to? You probably have more grips um, on this more than anyone else. But bro, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard he lost two billion pounds in the stock market. Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, I, I know you, I, I text you guys on that that Sunday night, just saying like, you know, if, you, if you've got any interest in economics, just watch the. The markets on Monday. Yeah. Um, you know, guys in in work on on Friday were saying like texting over the weekend and saying you know this feels a bit like Lehman Sundays and, and for those of you who weren't around like yeah. 2008 Lehman Brothers collapse was mental in banking. Um, I, and yeah, I mean it's 
it's really for me. It, I mean, it's not something to be super worried about because it, it's it's kind of well, I mean, super worried about he's lost two billion pounds. But I mean, in in the grand scheme of of kind of global wealth, anyone really who's heavily invested into any kind of uh, securities or um, has has a portfolio of property or anything really that you can associate wealth with lost money over the past sort of you know week week and a half. Um, you know, you were seeing you know stop stocks. Uh, in terms of uh, you know, kind of daily <clears throat> daily drops, and in, in times of uh, you know, kind of the, the the price falls and stuff like that, were was things that, that people hadn't seen for for 10, 15 years. You know, some of the mm. some of the drops, you know, day to day averages were, were bigger than when you know Lehman Brothers went under and, and triggered the the financial crisis in two thousand eight. So I mean, you know, it wasn't particularly fun being at work sort of the past week and a half. It's been pretty crazy. Um, but it, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all kind of relative, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you're looking at his his net worth tied up in assets and stuff like that, others in, in a similar position would have would have lost, you know, kind of similar amounts of money. Um, mm. it's, it's very difficult to remain liquid um, when you're kind of operating at that level. So it was it was to be expected. I mean, again, if, if the markets uh, recover, then you know, his, his net worth will increase again. So it's all, it's all kind of relative. It's, it's, it's not something to be super worried about. I mean, again, he's still got £8 million, pounds, so I'm sure he's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah fine. You know, in the, in the grand scheme of things. But, I mean, it's just uh, it's just a bit of a, a peculiar time, though, because, you know, the, the kind of coronavirus situation, it's not like in 2008 where it was kind of these sort of Peculiar structured products and and collateralized mortgage obligations and all these weird things that a lot of people didn't understand. It's, exactly. it's kind of not really linked to to finance it's, in a way. It's, it's to deal with you know kind of goods and services and the you know the liquidity of money and credit yeah. and, and how that kind of services. It, so it's, until it, until it's, people get confidence in that, then it's going nowhere. It's literally got nothing to do with bent bankers. Um, it's got nothing to do with actual exploitation of the financial markets. It's got nothing to do with, a, a, I guess, like a toxic market as well. It is just a mess. <laughs> and something that, you, again, you can't really account for. It's just it's just terrible. And it's, again, I, I, I'm not going to feel sorry for investment bankers because obviously they make a lot yes. of money. <laughs> because they make a lot of money. Um, but under attack. No, I'm not attacking you, mate. I'm not. I'm not attacking you, mate. But at the same time, it is a dreadful situation to be in. Because again, it's not. It's through no fault of your own. It's through no fault of anyone's. It's just again a pandemic that is sweeping through the world. Um, but I do want to move on because I don't really like talking about Roman Abramovich and his wealth for too long because it gets me quite nervous it, 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 get, it, get, it gets me quite nervous because it is Roman still um, but let's move on to Tammy Abraham um, Tammy we, we've been talking about his contract all season um, and I believe before um, Hudson Odoi signed his new deal and the figures that were floating about like 120, 160 for Callum I remember Yas was saying oh um, we got to be careful and play this right because the other youngsters We'll be looking at it and thinking, yeah, all right, I kind of want about the same. So Hudson will be looking at the benchmark. And time and time again, Tammy Abraham has been rejecting our contract offers. I believe he's on about 60 grand. Um, I don't know exactly. He's on about 60K and Chelsea are offering him 100, 110,000 um, pounds a week. Um, it's a bit of a weird one for me. I know that Tammy, I feel like Tammy's done quite decently. This season, I've scored 14 Premier League goals, I think, 13, 14 Premier League goals. I'm a leading goal scorer. Um, he's, he's, he's helped us a lot um, throughout the season, where we've obviously lacked a lot of attacking impetus. Our wide players haven't really been helping 
Um, and he's done he's done his bit, I guess. I, I wouldn't say he's completely set the world alight, but he's, he's done his bit. And I feel like he does deserve a new Connie. And I don't feel like he should be criticised for holding out for more money. But from my perspective, I look at it and think, all right, will, will Tammy Abraham necessarily be Chelsea's number one striker for the next couple of years? Arguably not. But then again, if you look at it, would Tammy be an able backup? Quite possibly, but would Tam Abraham want to be an able backup? Would he want to be a backup? Would he not look at it and think, mm, well, I'm a bit better than this, and then probably look to go elsewhere? So you need to kind of think, is he rejecting the contracts because he knows that Chelsea are coming in for more players or, or, or looking at um, strikers or signings? Or is he rejecting because he feels like he's worth a lot more money, he's worth the 160s or 150s that Callum Hudson-Odoi is getting after bonuses? Like Joe, what do, you, what do you think of this, actually? Actually, no, we'll go to Jermaine, because Joe had his economics rent a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jay, what do you think about the Tammy contract situation? Because it's a, it's a bit of a sticky one, I think. I think... Uh, with, with Tammy... I do, I do agree with you in terms of like I think he has, he's done well enough this season to kind of walk away from the season and say that he's he's done quite well, especially it being his first season with Chelsea in the first team. But for me, I think with this new contract, firstly his contract doesn't doesn't end until two thousand and twenty two. Oh so wow! Okay. In a way, there's no rush. I think people assume that he only had one year left after this, and he doesn't. His contract ends in two thousand and twenty two. So realistically. Mm. Chelsea don't have to give him shit for now, realistically. Like, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to extend it. They don't have to worry about, like, the money that he's asking for. I just feel like they probably just want to see how he does for one more season. And he's saying to them, oh, well, um, I don't know if it's true, but I, I read that he, he he's waiting to see if we, if we bring in a top strike or whatever and that he's going to make up his mind. But for me, the worry about that is I just feel like he's not... It, it, it don't sound like he's backing himself. Like, you know, like for all the stuff that I've heard about him in terms of how he how he's um, really focused on doing well and he thinks that he can be a top striker and he believes that he can be one of the best. Like, I, I don't know that that don't bode well with me too much, man. Like him saying, "Oh, I want to see who comes in." Like, bro, you, this is your club, innit? You're here now. You're banging goals. Wait, is that you what he said? Your... Or is that what's been rumored? That is what that's, he's on. That, that's 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 what I I saw. Um, like in terms of one of the articles, I saw that it said. Oh, uh, you know, he, he's waiting to see what kind of striker comes in. But for me, I just feel like if you're a top striker and you're and you're aiming to be a top striker in the world, that is not. That, I don't know. For me, it's just not the kind of attitude I'd have. And and Dan made a point. I don't want to talk about Dan too much because obviously he's not here at the moment. But Dan made a point about Tammy getting minutes as a young player. Yeah, and I, I hear I hear that to an extent. Obviously, you're young. You want to get as many games as possible to develop your game. And become that player that you want to become, like top, top, top player. But at the same time, I don't know how many top clubs are going to take me at now. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you're going to leave Chelsea, just know that you're firstly going to go to a club that's probably going to be about mid-table. Because I'd say Tammy right now, he's not like a top. I, I wouldn't say he's a certified top four club. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I think he's certified to be a top four striker. Um, I think I think you could easily see him playing somewhere like Everton. And banging goals for them and yeah. having like good seasons for them and stuff like that. I don't I, like. I just think he he needs to play it play it carefully as well. 
Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's just a thing where there's this thing now where he's he's looking at the money that Callum's on. He's looking at what he's done this season and thought, well, I've done more than him, so I can probably get a decent contract out of this. But at the same time, he's worried about his game time because I think he deep down knows as well that he's not the finished article and he's nowhere near being a certified you know, Chelsea striker. It is interesting, yeah. It's interesting because I look at Tammy and I I do try and gauge and wonder what, what his actual level is. I feel like he's got good, decent qualities and I feel like he can be a good striker because he is, he's, he's, he's got the capacity to sniff out chances. But I do feel like, I feel like he lacks certain things that will make me look at him and think, because he's 22. So I'm, I try and compare him to people that is around the 20, 22 to 23 um, age bracket. So I look at Timo Werner. I look at Martinez at Inter Milan. I look at um, Dembele. The comp- oh, I'm looking at strikers, Rash, Marcus Rashford. Um, I, I want to say Marshall, he's 24, he's slightly older. Um, I'm looking at, I guess, the raw materials of him and I'm not entirely sure if he's of that level and um I'm not necessarily comfortable in us going into another season with Tammy as our main striker um because I don't believe he's of the required quality now is he of the required quality to play for Chelsea as in feature be on the bench come on and make an impact come on in an odd game and rotate I think he is I think he's got the quality to 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 uh, be an able replacement like a Gabby Jesus at Manchester City, even though I think Gabby is better, obviously. Um, but I mean, of that kind of ilk, that kind of role. Um, yeah. But yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like he, he does need to, he does need to kind of have a think and wonder if he's really keen to stay at Chelsea for the rest of his career, or is he wanting to play, play regularly, make a name for himself, and then see how it goes from there. You know what I mean? Because um, I, I, yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel there's no problem him wanting to back himself. I, I try and inc- I, I like it when players back themselves. That's why I wasn't too angry with Hudson Odoi wanting to leave because he wasn't playing. You get what I'm trying? Yeah. You get what I'm trying to say? I feel like a lot of people were yeah. up in arms saying, "Oh no, Cannon, please stay." I, and I wanted him to stay, obviously, but it's almost like. I want players to back themselves. So if they are not signing a new deal or they're not playing enough, they should then make the decision to turn the leave or, or actually try and get the best situation or, or make the best of the situation for themselves. I, I, I completely think it's okay for him to do that. Joe, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this actually because um, in terms of the financials, I know you've um, you created a model, which was fantastic, in just comparing what would be what it'd be like to obviously the the annual costs and the amortization of his wages and well I guess signing a player of his ilk and of his quality um in comparison to just Tammy Abraham and his wages because Tammy hasn't cost Chelsea anything so there will be no further amortization I don't believe um on his contract so he'll cost significantly less than somebody buying, or than Chelsea buying a whole another strike for sixty million pounds, then his wages on top. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because um, I know you kind you kind of t- I, I, I won't lie, you kind of opened my eyes to the idea of it might be a better decision to actually get Tammy on a, a, on, a on a big contract. It doesn't really matter. 
simply because of the actual amortization fee not being there. So I, I want to kind of yeah. get your thoughts. So obviously everyone's got quite a lot of time on their hands at the moment. So uh, I, I was coming up with something today. I call it the DDB. This, this is the Danny Drinkwater benchmark. <laughs> and <laughs> so the DDB. So I've seen, and this isn't towards Jermaine, this is towards people that I've seen most on social media, and everyone is pointing fingers at Callum Hudson-Odoi yep. in terms of what he's asked for in his wages. I think that in certainly ter- talking to to agents as well, the focus has got to be more on guys like Danny Drinkwater. 100 grand a week, costs the club 12 million pound a year, 1 million pound a month. Tammy on, you know, I don't know, uh, 180 grand a week, for example, is still like, you know, two and a half million quid a year cheaper to the club. So if I'm Tammy Abraham and I'm his representatives, I'm looking at Drinkwater, I'm looking at guys like Bakayoko, guys who are costing the club, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 million pounds a season in terms of player costing. Okay, yeah, you know, the, the, the wages are being offset by clubs, etc. But in a, in a kind of, you know, just a, a general example, this, this is what they cost them. And I'm looking at them and thinking, well, I'm, I'm currently the number nine for Chelsea. I'm currently probably one of the main reasons that they're in the top four. Um, you know, there are guys who are out on loan who are earning double what I'm currently earning. Um, mm. You know, so that, that this episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Certainly, it's my starting point. I think Callum obviously comes into it in terms of his young player ability, but I kind of take it back to the player cost argument because, you know, if an agent knows that a player, you know, kept across the club like 17 million quid a season or whatever, then... You know, who's, who's had a bigger influence on the season, Kepper or Tammy Abraham, who probably mm. cost the club like three and a half million quid. You know, £14 million in terms of player costs is Chelsea going and spending a massive amount on Thomas Partey and giving him like a, you know, a 130 grand a week contract. It's, yeah. it's, it's that sort of money that people are not really grasping. And the other thing as well, I mean, you know, if you sign him to a big money deal, say he gets a 150k a week deal, very, very unlikely that I think he is going to be able to get that sort of money elsewhere. So you either lock down, as you say, like a, a really, really good backup striker for a five-year period of his contract or whatever, and then you've got other guys coming in, maybe Broha, maybe other people coming in from the academy to sort of try and take that spot yeah. while you go out and get a top striker. So you really, if you look at the sort of money Chelsea's spending on strikers at the moment, if you're real and Batshuayi still on the books, you know, you kind of offset that with a really top striker plus Tammy, even if he falls into being a number two, you know, he's still only going to cost the club less than 10 million quid a year, which you can't really go out and buy a... 15 to 20 goal a season Premier League striker for, the, for that sort of money to the club. So, yes, you know, the wage bill and all this sort of stuff, but all of the research certainly puts all wages correlating more to success than, than transfer spend. So, pay the money. And, and anyone who thinks that a top striker isn't going to come in and ask for more money than Tammy anyway, even if he's on 150 a week, a top striker is going to be 200k minimum. Yep. You know, it's not like oh, it's driving the wage bill up, but it's, it's the player cost to the club. That's mm. what people need to focus on. Well, so, would, 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 you know, you, would you say that Martinez would come on a hundred or two hundred K a week. He's twenty two. I'm not entirely sure he would. I'd I'd probably say Martinez will probably come on a maybe a one thirty, one forty K a week, I'd say. What was what was do we know what Costa was on? Costa was, was like about one, like no, Costa, Costa was like mid one um yeah one fifty I think Costa. I don't think yeah. he was yeah he so wasn't that much. So, I'd, so I'd, probably one fifty maybe two hundred K with bonuses. Yeah probably yeah. Potentially. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So I mean that I mean that sort of level. I think in today's market as well, because there's a real scarcity of like top tier strikers. Yeah. Um, but I think that makes him a little bit more valuable. I just just in terms of like Tammy stylistic, I think the biggest the biggest problem that he has is that he is a what six at three, six at four striker who tries to play like Sergio Aguero. He tries to be that sort of agile fox in the box guy. I think for me, he's got to look at guys like Olivier Giroud and, and Dropper yeah. and people that of, of his kind of frame and build. They mature a lot later, mid twenties to late twenties. They tend to play longer. They have a longer career because they mm. don't have to be as mobile. Yeah. For me, it's his hold-up game and how he brings others into play. I think he's a good enough finisher. I think he can he creates kind of opportunities for himself. The the goal against Arsenal was a perfect example that he's got good footwork. I think the goal against was it, it might have been Wolves earlier in the season as yeah. well. It was fantastic. Um, the little in and out skill. Norwich, I think. He's got all that in the locker, but it's it's the hold-up play. Yeah, he's got the the Norwich goal as well. I remember what that was. A, that was a very very good goal where he took it on the first yeah. touch. He's got all the tools. He's <laughs> just it's the hold-up play. The bringing others into play for me. If he if he gets that, then then I think then you can start having conversations about him being more complete and being more of a Chelsea number nine. Because at the moment, for me, he's, he's just too big he's too big to try and play the way he, that he does I agree I agree I feel like look for all the, for all the goals he scored and I guess relatively I feel like he's done decently I'm not trying to take away from what Tammy's done and achieved this season I feel he's done he's done okay I would say would I say he could have done better in some some games yeah but I feel like over 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 the course of the season I think he's done okay I think he's done Probably above average, in my opinion. So I feel he is deserving of a new contract. I think that him getting one is is significantly less pressing than it was to sign up Reese James, to sign up Callum Hudson-Odoi, um, Billy Gilmore, for example, Mason Mount. I think he's a lot, and um, Tamori. I think like there, he's a lot for me. He's a lot lower on the, I guess, the scale for me in terms of talent and Chelsea talents. Um, but he's done his thing, so I feel like he does. He warrants a new deal, but I just, I wouldn't want to give him like the big money contract, like he's a big yeah. striker. So, like you know what I mean? I don't want him to. I don't because I feel like he's still got so much to do. If you get what I'm saying, he's only scored in like I don't think he's scored in more than ten games this season. Do you no, know? That? Yeah, he hasn't in the league. He hasn't. No, that's a bit peak. <laughs> that's that. Um, listen, that's peak, you know. I know. Yeah, for who we are, yeah. Like, let's not forget. I know we're going through like a little bit of a transition right now, but we're still Chelsea Football Club. At the end of the day, yeah. My man is scoring in less than ten games. Yeah, that. I, it's not like he's bringing everyone else into the game as well. It's like some seasons, Dropper would score like the first season he was here. People always point to his goal tally, but he completely made that team tick. He was well, the one who I, literally brought everyone I, in. You know, I watched Liverpool Chelsea the other day. Remember that game? I think it was. Yeah. Uh, 4-1. I think, yeah. was it 4-1? And, and so he absolutely ruined them. I don't think he scored. No, he, he didn't. He didn't score Absolutely them. Yeah, remember, yeah. So, so I, until I, I, Tammy stuff like that, wait. Would you say, well, a long way to go. would you say that since Tammy's been at the team, that the team has been or played better with Giroud? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. A little bit more cohesion up top. I, I was going to say, I, I was going yeah. to say, there's a little bit more connections and I feel like with the way that Frank wants us to play, he wants things to be done quite quickly. And because Giroud's got a sharp touch and he's able to hold up the ball and bring others in, I feel like others are getting... I feel other people's performances have improved markedly. I think Pedro, for example, being yeah. one of them. William as well. I, I still Barclay, have question marks over yeah. William, but Barkley, Mount. Um, I, 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 yeah, it, it's... 
It's a weird one. It's a, I think it's a weird one. And I feel like Tammy should really, as much as I want him to get the bag and do what's best for him and his family, I do think that he kind of needs to play this one slightly smart. Um, because, again, I, I feel like, yes, Frank Lampard has loyalty to Tammy and will be loyal to Tammy. But I feel like if you overpush, then it might actually be a bad situation. It could end in a bad situation for him. Um, yeah, because... It, and I don't want that, because I do like Tammy. He's a Chelsea boy at the end of the day. He's, he's been with us since he was nine. So it's just... I don't want it to be a bit of a, a mess of a situation. Um, but just going back to the coronavirus, um, just briefly. Mason Mount... Uh, Mason Mount was caught... Um, Breaking curfew, I guess, and being out with Declan Rice, playing football um, with Declan Rice and a couple of other players, um, I think five aside, um, and he was supposed to be self-isolated. Um, what do you think Chelsea are going to do in terms of punishment and reprimand? Because I, I don't know, it is, it is quite serious to be honest. It is quite serious, but uh, what do you guys think, Joe? What's wrong with this rice suit? What's wrong with this rice suit? Uh, you, think, you think it's a bad influence? You think he's a bad influence? No, but do you think he's a bad influence on Mount? Bro, every time I see... But I, I feel like it. I, it must be, because... I just don't understand why my man's just going to come outside his yard just to kick ball for no reason. Like, uh, look, look, no, I do blame Mount, though. I was going to say, let's pull out this, yeah? You are a professional footballer. You are finely tuned to play ball. You have been playing football all your life. You are now told that you're not allowed to play football. What do you do? It's in your DNA to play. I I, 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 I don't feel like... like I don't want to be too harsh with Mount. Because I know like, the desperation to play ball must be there. Think about it. Yeah, there must be. Just, just think about it. When when players are on holiday, so before preseason, they get like two, three weeks off. What are they doing most of the time? They're on the beach. After on the beach, they're playing football because it's just what they do. It's just it's a natural thing. Like it's it's a natural thing. I'm currently obviously there's no football on TV. I'm not watching football. But what am I doing? I'm going onto YouTube and scanning, watching historic football matches. I'm kicking toilet rolls, doing kick-ups and doing, to- <laughs> doing the stay-at-home challenge because I'm I addicted today, to... Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm, addi- I'm addicted to football. And these are actual professional pro footballers. So I, 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 I understand that, you know, Chelsea and Lampard especially might have to come down hard and mount because I guess it is, a, it, is, it is serious. It is a serious... Um, um, thing he's done, I guess. Um, I guess not following club rules, so he probably will um, be reprimanded, which is a shame because I think he, he last couple of months he's been class. Um, but it's just a bit of a mess, and I, I, you don't want to be too hard because I, I get. But at the same time, because it's such a serious thing, I think unfortunately Chelsea might have to be. Um, but I, I don't want to stay too much in Corona because it is literally everywhere we go. Everywhere, everywhere we turn, it's Corona, 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 and um, it's yeah, it, it's a lot, it's a lot. Now, I want to talk about transfers um, because we are heading into summer. The season looks like it's closing; it looks like it's finishing, and we have been linked with a lot of players. Now, firstly, Alex Tellez, um, my guy, baller, 
big, big baller. Uh, we're linked with him. Apparently, we're trying to get that deal sorted as quickly as possible. And that kind of makes me feel like Chelsea have dropped interest in Ben Chilwell. I'm not entirely sure if that's true, but I am kind of praying it's true. <laughs> because as you guys know, I deep dive on Chilwell. I watch him quite regularly. I'm not entirely sure if he is of the calibre um, for Chelsea. And I feel like Alex Tellers has got a lot more to his game, a lot more to his locker. Um, but yeah, Joe, talk to me about Tellers and what you think he could bring to Chelsea. Because um, as much as Marcus Alonso has kind of turned it on for us in the last couple of weeks, um, we desperately need an upgrade at left-back. Because um, obviously he's not trusting um, Emerson, <coughs> Emerson or Alonso. Yeah. So um, yeah, talk to me about Tellers. I think first and foremost that the thing that strikes me certainly about Tellers is just his his overall ability as a footballer. Like I think you could you could probably see him being quite capable playing in midfield. You could see him just sort of generally playing in most areas of the pitch. He he's a really really good technically sound player, and you see that particularly I think with his his combination play, the way that he's able to kind of progress the ball with his passing. I think that's probably going to be one of the biggest positives. You know, I think. Yes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Alonso's sort of come on and, and done well sort of the past couple of months and stuff. It's nice to see a player kind of reclaim a bit. But, you know, his his distribution, not just his end product, but his actual passing and stuff. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we see some really horrifically sloppy passes and, and hospital passes from him, like almost virtually every game. So it would be nice to have a, a player who's probably quite similar to Reese James in that they're both very comfy on the ball. They're good passers of the ball in general, you know, not just sort of end product and, you know, and then kind of we're looking into him in the final third. I think, A, you know, I think a lot of people have probably seen that goal that he scored this season. Yeah. He has an absolutely fantastic shot on him, can take set pieces. But it's his crossing, which I think from the left-hand side, you probably haven't had a player who can... I don't even... I can't remember the last left-back. Felipe Luis, was he any good? I can't yeah, remember. he was good. Um, but like, so, like, someone since Luis, or at least someone playing regularly who was in favour, you know, yeah. to... A left back being able to cross the ball because his crossing is, is such a weapon mm. and it, it's not just uh, you know just sort of hitting hopes and stuff like that it's you know if you just anyone who flicks on who scored and looks at his like, accurate crosses he's hitting like four or five six a game yeah cause um, what, what, you know, I, what I like about Tellers and what I've seen about Tellers is he does those kind of crosses where he, he fizzes it into you I don't think he's like yeah, yeah. I don't think he hits it into just areas I think he definitely tries to pick you out and it's almost like a bit of Saka like a um, Saka at Arsenal, he picks out players when it comes to crosses. And I, and I like that quality. I think that's important. I feel like players like Trent, I think even Reese James to, a, uh, to an extent, he's another one that will, he can pick you out, but at the same time, he hits it into quality areas where you have to attack it. Yeah. You get what I'm trying to say? Whereas Tellez, he's more of a pick-you-out, cutback type um, of crosser, which is great. And one thing about Alonso, um, more often than not now, whenever we're playing or when we did play, couple of weeks back when I, I complained about Marcus Alonso's just have it passes whereas it's like there's no due care you just uh, just have it he just kicks yeah. it at you a lot of people have been watching the game and they met like a tweet tweeting me and say oh, there's a just have it pass from Alonso it's because I think that a lot of people don't actually pay attention to the smaller details and especially when it comes to like just passing basic passing um but it's so critical it's so critical, especially for a team that actually likes to, to build play and be positive and the, um, the proactive team. When you get players that do a sloppy pass, it kind of breaks down your entire rhythm. And look, say, for example, you're supposed to pass it in front of a player for them to run onto it and then they progress play. 
Instead, you pass behind them. They have to turn around, retrieve the ball, or it may just go to the other side, and now you're all retreating as a, um, as a team. It's just, it's not good. But I, I definitely agree. In terms of Tellez, on the ball, he looks very, very good. Um, and he's quite athletic as well, which is good. Um, no, I was going as well, he yeah. looks like he's got a bit of agility and, and, a, and a bit of pace about him as well. Yeah, but I've, but I've seen a, I've seen him as well. Like he, he he looks like he's got a lot more aggression than Alonso as well. Like even I don't think he's like one of the best defenders that we could get in terms of. I don't think he's a defend first left back. Obviously, we talked about his his attacking ability, but in terms of his aggression, like he he's definitely gonna try and get tackles in and stuff like that. And I feel like it's definitely gonna be an upgrade on Alonso and. Uh, and um, Emerson, 100%. And he's on the last year of his deal, so it shouldn't be too expensive. I think he's got one more year after this, I believe. So it shouldn't be too expensive. I'm hoping it'll be around the 30 million mark, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that because some of the fees that we've been touted for some left-backs have been absolutely insane. Insane. So, yeah, 30 million pounds, take that. Again, immediate upgrade. I guess you sell Alonso because it looks like Alonso might be going to Inter Milan because Conte wants him. And um, I don't know what's happening with Emerson, um, really and truly. He's not played for weeks and months, actually. So it's, it's a bit of a weird one. I don't know. After his early season yeah. form, it's just after he came back from injury, he's just been, he's been bad. And he's just not been seen. He, he likes a nightclub. Ah. <laughs> Uh, he, he, yeah, th- certainly the word on the grapevine is that he, he enjoys the, uh, the London uh, nightlife, let's put it that way. Yeah, he needs to sort yeah. himself out. Juventus are calling it. Yeah, getting back to Italy, man. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> who's, get, who's going to Italy these days? I don't know, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's looking a bit messy. Um, Jeremy Boga. So, you know very, very well, we've mentioned Boga since, I want to say about, October, November, on this pod. We've been campaigning, you know, we've even had the hashtag bring Boga back. Um, there's different variations, bring back Boga. So, look, it's always been BBB at the end of the day. Boga needs to come home. and But I've been seeing quite conflicting reports about Boga, which is quite, it's been troubling my spirit. It's been troubling my spirit. This whole idea that, oh, you can kind of get, um, the buyback clause removed if you pay ten million pounds. I said, "What? You? I, I, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to get my head around it." Jeremy Bogart is a super talent, super super talent. And again, he was performing fantastically for Sassuolo, who again aren't the best team in the league by any stretch, attracting interest from Barcelona, attracting interest from Inter. It's just for me. I think that's an easy win. Buying Boga is just an easy, easy win. I, I, I'm seeing links with Bailey for eighty-five million pound, which again, I feel like Bailey's been a long-term target of Chelsea. But it just doesn't make sense if I'm comparing the talent level of Bailey to Boga. If you get what I'm trying to say, so Boga, we it'll cost us fifteen million pounds, probably about hundred k a week. Bailey. 85 million pounds, 150k a week. What are we doing? What are we doing? I do like Bailey in terms of he's got good qualities, quick, good left foot, but he's not Boga. He's not Boga, is he? He's not Boga at all. So I I don't know. What what are your thoughts on, obviously, bring back Boga, 
and Bailey, really. I, I kind of want to get your thoughts because I know Joe. Joe, you're a big fan of him, of Bailey. Um, but Jay, I kind of want to get your thoughts because I've not really heard what you think about Bailey, really. Um, funny enough, actually, when uh, Conte was in charge, I went to Germany to watch a game and I watched Leverkusen, mm. and um, that's the first time I saw Bailey play. And I, the first time I seen him play was live. I was there watching him, and um, he was actually really, really good, mm. like really good. And I said at the time, because we was playing three at the back, I said at the time to my boy, I was like, don't be surprised if Chelsea end up going for this guy for, for, for him to play wing-back. Because I think he was playing wing-back that game as well. But long story short, he looked a, he looked a good player. But I, um, in terms of what he's done so far, like up till now, I, I definitely haven't seen enough for him to be worth anywhere near 85 million. I know he had one very good season. I think it was probably that season. When I went to watch him, I think that season he had he had pretty, a pretty good season that season goal scoring wise. But in terms of compared to like what we're looking for in the profile of a player, I think it is a no brainer to go and get someone like Boga. It would just be a massive massive L if we went and if we went and spent eighty plus mil on Bailey, who's probably not going to do more than what Boga's going to do. If anything, Boga will outperform him. To be fair, yeah. In terms of what I've seen for them so far, and then I just feel like as well by going for Bolga, you 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 allow yourself to go for a marquee signing in maybe an area where we do, we need, you know, we need a player more so. Say for example, striker or centre back because we've already signed Zayek as well. Yeah. Who who is a, a you know obviously everybody knows about Zayek so far. He's, he's great talent good with the ball at his feet, can pick a pass. Like. So we've already got one winger there. Yeah. We've still got Pudis at the club. We've got Hudson, who we're focusing on to become kind of like really and truly before even signing. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio keto-friendly bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Sancho, we want Hudson to be kind of like our Sancho. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both in the, they're both in the age group, but we want Hudson to be our star player. So for me... It's just it, I don't know. It will just seem like the club's not learning if they if they didn't bring back Boga. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. And yeah. that's the worry for me. No, I agree. I agree. I, I feel like Boga definitely has the qualities to. Like, I feel like what Chelsea tend to lack at this current moment in time is a player that's able to carry us up the pitch with the ball. Um, from relatively deep positions, um, Boga, one of his special run, like one of his special goals, tends to be a run pretty much from his own half on the left hand side, cuts in, whips it top corner. I feel like we don't really have that kind of player um, in our side. Um, I, I guess Hudson is. I, I feel what I, well, I, what I mean, don't have that player. I think fit and firing. I don't think we've kind of got that player right now. I think Hudson Odoi would be a lot more comfortable if we had a Boga come in and Ziyech rather than Sancho and Ziyech. Because again, Ziyech costs £40 million. Um, Sancho, you're looking at £150, £160 million. So again, in terms of spots and spaces in the side, Hudson might be reevaluating and looking and figuring, hmm, 
alright, where do I actually fit in this? Whereas he's looking at Boga, and that's not to say Boga's not a fantastic player, but at £10 million, there's no real absolute pressure for Lampard or for any manager, really, to play you. You're, you. You are part of the squad. You are part of a competitive squad. You will earn your spot. And that's not to say that Frank is really biased and playing people on prices, but naturally you will have that. As a manager, I think you have that. You have somewhat of a bias to play the player that you really wanted that cost however much money. You know what I'm trying to say? So I feel like ZH will be a, a big feature of the side. I don't think ZH will be... If fit, I think ZH will play because that's Lampard's guy. And if Chelsea gets Sancho, then again, it will be one of those situations where that's Lampard's guy. I'm going to try and make this work or try and play it. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, whereas, where does that leave Hudson-Odoi? Where does that leave Pulisic? Um, obviously, Williams out of contract at the end of this year. So it is um, Pedro. So it's a bit of a strange one. I don't know. I, I I do think the most sensible thing for Chelsea to do is actually buy Boga. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Sancho. I think that Sancho will bring X-Factor in the final third. But I'm not entirely comfortable of paying £150 million for him and then disrupting everything else that's around the club, if you get what I'm trying to say, in terms of our wingers, our profile of wingers. I'm not sure if that really fits. Um, but, yeah, what do you think, Joe? I kind of, yeah, what, what do you think? Um, I, I like the uh, the BBB, uh, Big Baller brand, that we've just hijacked. <laughs> bring Bowler back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm, I'm obviously, I always kind of look at the financial side of things as well, and I think even... You know, worst case scenario, not something I'd like to see, but if the club bring him back and then sell him for infinitely more money, then, you know, fantastic. But I've, I just think that he, he has qualities that we don't have really in the in the current sort of forward setup. I think he's someone who is, is comfortable playing as number 10, certainly from the academy. We, you know, we've certainly probably seen him play more as a, as a winger in his in his professional career, but he, he definitely has the, the vision, creativity, the, the passing quality to be a number 10 if, we, if we're going to sort of commit to that 4 one um, and I think the the point you made me was was probably most interesting was about his ability to carry the ball. Yep. You know his uh, his take on statistics in Italy are uh, in crazy. I mean he's leading the league by I think it's about thirty forty or maybe fifty take ons compared to sort of the nearest uh, player wow. and in a league that typically you know doesn't defend man for man. So you're not always getting the opportunity to take someone on one for one. Yep. You know, it's, it's quite difficult to beat people when people defend zonally because you're having to actually come in the zone, tempt them and then beat them. It's it's insane that he's actually sort of putting out those sorts of numbers. Yep. I think as well, you know, he's, he's he's I think he's probably, if you look at his goals and assists, like every other game, he's, he's either scoring or assisting in terms of what he's done in the league. Yep. And he's doing that in an 11th place team in, in Italy. You know, put him in with, I think, better players, put him in, in a setup that that gets the best out of him and you have a really I think a really nice balance of someone who is more of a, a dribbling a creative player in terms of his threat on the ball um, and then with with Carson Adore, I think you have someone who's got that sort of electric pace and more of a ability for me to be more of a, a kind of a wide forward who scores yep. whereas I think Bogue again is certainly, certainly a goal scoring threat but I think he's also got that really nice creative threat that I don't think we really have um, in, in kind of our front uh, three at the moment, we don't have someone who's got that sort of vision and the ability. A little bit like Hazard. I mean, it's a it's maybe a bit of a lazy comparison, but yeah. 
you know, the ability to, particularly when we slow the game down, some some games we see teams, you know, five at the back against Newcastle and, you know, four in midfield. You need someone who can beat two, three people and make something happen. And I don't think anyone really at the moment has got, Bogus got that brilliant acceleration and that ability to beat people, jink in and out and do something. Yeah. We don't have that really anywhere in the team at the moment. So, you know, for the amount of money he's going to cost, the, the kind of different qualities and different options he brings, for me, it's a no-brainer. But, you know, the club have done stranger things. Exactly. It's just one of them things where, you have to kind of trust the club to make the right decision. Now, I, I, I think it genuinely is the, the right decision to bring him back. But I feel like if you want to... If you bring him back with the aim of trying to sell him on, I think that's bad mind. I think you leave him where he's at and let him go to another club when Sassuolo are ready to sell. But I understand this is football. It's a business. So you're going to have to bring... You're going to have to... If you, if, I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. I. I only believe in buybacks personally if you're going to buy them back to play. I don't really like the idea of buying back someone to then sell them on. I. I it just doesn't really sit right with me. But then again, at the same time, I think Boga is able to say no. It's not like he could say, "Oh yeah," you know what I mean. He doesn't have to say yes to coming back. But um, from what I've heard, he's definitely keen on coming back. So, oh. I hope we do it. I, I really do hope we do it because um, it, it is for me. It's just a, a it's an easy win. It's an easy win. It's it, it saves you wasting time and stressing over. I guess like a transfer saga with Sancho. I think it will possibly turn into. I, I, you could just avoid that. Get the player in. Get him embedded. Obviously, he knows what it means to play for Chelsea as well. So yeah, it's almost like a. Yeah, it's just an easy win for me. I, I think it's something that you just you just should do. Um, obviously, with Timo Werner, um, we've been linked with him in, in, in the past. Um, I think that he's pretty much stated that he wants to go to Liverpool. Um, so Chelsea obviously have to turn their attention to other players. Um, we've been linked with Dembele and Martinez. Of the two players, you guys, or Jay, I want to get your imp- opinion first. Who would you prefer Chelsea sign? Because I'm looking at fees for Dembele at 70, 80 million pounds, which I find ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, I can't, I can't lie. That's hefty. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? That is a hefty sum for Dembele. I'm not going to lie to you. I do want Dembele at the club. And I do think... Why? Why, 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 do you have... want, why do you want Dembele? And what do you think he brings? Because I'm not entirely sold. I don't know, I've seen people say that he, he misses a lot of chances as well, but that, that hasn't been my my criticism for, for Tammy, so that don't really bother me. I don't mm. I, I haven't really criticised Tammy for missing big chances because a lot of players miss, miss big chances like a lot of top players do. Mm. But um, for me, I do think Dembele is a little bit of a better finisher than Tammy, personally. Okay. Okay. And I think as well, stature-wise, just in terms of holding up, like, even if he has to hold up the ball or hold off players, I think strength-wise, I think he's got a little bit more to his game than Tammy at this moment in time. So I think if he was to come in, I think it's a fair battle for that for that top spot, for that top spot at the club. And that's why I was also saying, like, I didn't understand why Tammy would feel like, oh, you know, I, I need to wait to see if this striker comes in, like, whether I'm going to stay or not. Because I feel like if it's Dembele that comes in, that's perfect. Because I feel like Tammy... Tammy's got a chance to prove himself and stay. Dembele's got a chance to, to obviously come in and try and hit the ground running and be the top striker. And it's just 
you battle out for the top spot in it. Simple as mm. that's what you do at top clubs. But then couldn't but you, like, couldn't you say the same with, for example, Martinez? I know Martinez is. I think Martinez is less established than Dembele. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's so, definitely fair. But I think with Martinez, the only thing will be that probably coming off the back of this interseason, I think he's probably got more, the more hype about him at the moment. So Martinez got more hype, and then the fee will be a problem because I think his fee will probably be probably be around like the hundred mil mark. That's Ooh, that's what I've really? been seeing anyway. Yeah, bro. Like that's what I've been seeing. That's mm. what I've been seeing that people are going to be paying for it. What? So, okay, so okay, so let's 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 add the questions together. So, because I know you're a big fan of Sancho, Jay. So, would you buy Boga? Yeah. So, would you buy Boga for um, for fifteen million pound or however much it'll cost? Buy Martinez for a hundred million pounds, or would you spend? 150 million pounds on Sancho and then another 80 million pounds on Dembele. Because those nah, are two posi- those are two positions that we need to 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 to, to buy. So we need to buy in yeah, those areas. But, so are you yeah, gonna spend fair. are you gonna spend two hundred and forty million pounds on um, Dembele and Sancho or would you spend hundred and fifteen million pounds on Martinez and uh, and Boga? I think it's a win for me. I, again, it's... I'd much yeah, rather... Like I was going to say, you don't lose in any of the situations, but, but if you're trying to be... If you're trying to be smart, I'd say, like I said already with, about Boga, I just feel like for the money that you're paying for Boga, I, I like, the other players that you're trying to get in for 100 plus, they, they might not do much more or they might not even do the same as what Boga will do if he comes to the club. So, that's... Like, with Boga, for me, I would take Boga because I want to spend more money in, say, for example, on that player like Martinez, for example. And then you've, got, you've also got a name there as well. Like, that's a, he's a big name right now. People are trying to... That's, that's a, that that would be considered a marquee signing if you was to get Martinez in the summer. Do you get what I'm saying? So you've got Martinez, you've got a big name, you're showing that you, you, you're ambitious for the, for the seasons to come. You get Boga in. Yeah, he's back linked up with his boys. You've mm-hmm. got a good quality striker and winger there for for nothing basically. You've got Zayak already in. Like I feel like that's for me. I would do that in it, but the club, I know for a fact the club ain't gonna do that. One hundred percent. But I would do that though. I think I think that just makes more sense. Even if you don't go for a striker and you go for say for example a Pomacano and you splash money on him. Yeah. Like you 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 pay you pay big money for areas that you're struggling in much more. Yeah, because Zayek will come in, and I think he will do bits for Chelsea. So, you know, even if you didn't end up signing a Boga, we will still sign a winger. But even if we didn't sign Boga or Sancho, I still think Zayek will be an, a good addition to the wingers as well. Do you see what I'm saying? So, spend money in the areas we really need to spend the money. Like I feel like mainly it's striker, centre back. It's probably striker, right wing, centre back. I reckon in that order, probably. Yeah, I like. Uh, look for me. I feel like I'd much rather worry and contend with one big money flop than two. Because I look at Martinez costing a hundred million pounds. I don't think he'd be a flop. I think he'd be an excellent acquisition because I think he's an excellent player. But I look at Sancho, one hundred sixty million pounds. 
Alka Dembele, £80 million. Those are both significant fees. If they were to come in and not perform, it is stress. Joe, I, I, I kind of want to get your... So, in terms of the financials, where do you? what kind of side do you lie on? Because I know you're very big on getting quality. So, it doesn't really matter about the fees. It's just about getting the quality. But at the same time, you're Matt, you like you like the numbers as well. So what's making more sense to you? I think I mean the, the, the thing that certainly makes most sense is is Boga for the the money that we can pay. I think it's like what fifteen million euros, like thirteen, twelve million pounds. I mean mm. that 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 should be an absolute priority for the club. I think that takes care of uh, the Jaden Sancho question. Yes, one hundred fifty million pounds for Jaden Sancho. Yes, he's done. He's doing just probably really absolutely extraordinary things in terms of what he's doing in Germany, but. If for whatever reason that doesn't replicate to the to the Premier League, and you know we've all kind of made little comments this season. You watch some Dortmund games, and you know it's it's thirty minutes in, and he's counter attacking into an entire half of the pitch by himself. It's it's a little bit kind of gung ho and like psycho counter pressing and gegenpress press and stuff in Germany where there's so much space. It, you know, I still think that you know if you put him in front of a, a back five and a back four sitting in front of them, that he's going to be the difference more often than not. But for one hundred fifty million, you've got to be absolutely. 100% convinced about that and you know I'm not I'm not convinced to the extent that I would tie that amount of money up in one player um, certainly you know if Chelsea were in a different kind of uh, part of their development you know if we were looking for the the player to take us towards a title I'd be throwing every single penny at him to, to buy him um, I just think certainly this summer there is probably three to five areas of weakness in the in the starting 11 really kind of in or maybe let's say the starting 13-14 players um, I think we need to target in there. For I'd still, I'd still go for the, the quality options, but uh, be a little bit more sensible. That's why I think someone like Tellers versus Chilwell was a great, great kind of potential signing. I think Boga versus Sancho makes sense. Then you can go and maybe spend a bit more um, on your centre forward, maybe a bit more on a, on a midfield if you want to, and a bit more on a centre back. Those five players, I think for me, would have a much bigger impact than signing, let's say Sancho and uh, I don't know uh, whoever else, whatever other big big name person you want to put in there, Dembele or. or Martinez. Um, Martinez is also someone who's a really interesting player for me because I think probably in from what I've seen in the season, he's probably one of the best, like just pure finishers yeah. that I've seen in a very long time. And it, you know, you, it's like a trait that Argentinian strikers have. You know, you go back to Crespo, Batistuta. You've got all these phenomenal centre forwards who play for for Argentina, Tevez, Messi. When he plays up there, they all seem to be great finishers. The only concern I have about him is when I watch him play. His his link-up and passing is atrocious. Mm. And when I mean atrocious, I mean he's probably one of the only players of, of that kind of quality. I think his, his success is less than 60% in, in Serie A. And to put in context, I'm not a big fan of Tammy Abraham's build-up and he's closer to like 70. So, mm. you know, it's, it's a big... That's the one concern I have in the way that Lampard wants to play. And we've seen how Giroud's impacted the team. Yeah. You know, bringing players in, being more of a touch player. If Martinez is there just to finish, then great. If he's not, then that, again, that would be a concern. I, I really like the guy at Celtic. I've been watching a lot of him recently. Um, you know, again, it would probably be falling to slightly more of the, the kind of cheaper end of the bucket. But I yeah. think if you're going to buy someone like when Van Dijk came to England, yeah. you've got to be head head and tails the best player in Scotland by an absolute you know absolute mile. And this is a guy who's got. You know, 27 goals, but also 19 assists this season in 45 okay, games. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think he's clearly... And if you're going to take a punt on someone and you want to kind of invest elsewhere, I'd certainly look at him maybe over Dembele if you're not going to go for the absolute top end, which will probably be Martinez in terms of finishes. If it's not Martinez, then I think Edouard's a great option because he, he seems to be like a guy who, who would fit Chelsea. You know, big, physical, really, really good finisher. 
tons of assists, brings others into the game, yeah. could be a, a kind of smart signing to get as well. You know what, Joe has this obsession with PNP strikers, and I, I get it, yes. I get it. We've had, we've I, had like, I like the spine, the spine <laughs> of the team has to have some physicality we, to it. You can, put get... you, you can put Mata and Hazard and other people on the wings, Around but down it. the middle, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. the key. Look, for me, like, I'm, a, I'm a type of, I like busy strikers, right? And I like strikers that have individual quality. So, yeah, when you have a battering ram centre forward, I get it. I like it, yeah? But I also like the South American fighters. Like, Martinez puts himself about as well. And I like, that's a good quality. I, 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 this is, that's a strike, that's a, a quality I seek yep. in a striker. So I feel like, yes, his link up isn't sensational. I wouldn't say it's top tier, but I think that's something that he can, he can definitely work on. Um, but I also think that the other qualities that you bring to the table kind of supersedes that one downside. Yeah, Do you get I'd what I mean? Agree. Um, I'd yeah, yeah I, I think he's just a, if he's available to buy, I'm throwing everything at him. I can't lie. I'm throwing absolutely everything at him. We, mi- we missed out on Aguero all those years ago because apparently he was too small. Um, I. I I don't want to make the same mistake again. So if we if we're able to actually purchase this guy, I think we have to go for him. We have to go for him. There's another um I think cuz I feel like a lot of um a lot of Chelsea fans seem to think that more expensive or the more the more pricier a player is, the better they are. I don't I don't see it like that. I feel like there's a, a genuine snobbiness when it comes to cute signings. You know, I I feel like the signings of like getting the, the fifty million pounds and oh, there's a reason why he's fifty million pounds. You know, you know what I mean. I, there's a, a certain snobbiness. I feel like Chelsea Chelsea fans like the the shiniest object in the room because they think that's it, it, it's worth more and it'll bring, I guess, more beauty to your side, more more beauty to your home. It's weird. I feel like players like a, a Buendia again. We've been talking about Buendia for months now. Um, for me, I think he's another player that can add to our side. And that's what, again, without going absolutely crazy, I think Buendia could be another, a 30, 40 million pound signing. Yeah, and that's me going, that's me overstretching in terms of valuation. I think he'd be around that mark in terms of value, but how much would Norwich sell him to us? I think they'd, they'd do a deal for about 40, 50, 40 million pounds. I think that's all right. But again, if you get a Buendia, you get a Boga, you get Martinez, that's looking at 180 mil. 160, 160, 70 mil. Compare it to how much you're spending on just Sancho and then Bele. I, I, I think there's certain things in football, there's certain decisions that you can make in football, especially in transfers, that just make pure sense. Uh, and there's certain players that you just ha- have to buy. And I feel like Buendia, um, Boga, and Sancho. And I guess Tellers even falls into that category. Those are just players that are just surely, if they're available, you must buy. Surely, you know what I mean. Um, another player that we've been linked with um, is Jude Bellingham, which I find um, quite odd. If I'm honest with you, um, I, I've seen Jude, not not a significant amount, but I, I've watched him a couple of games, and. You can see he's a talent. You can see he's a talented footballer. But am I willing to... Am I willing to buy another young player who's 16 when we have a Tino Angerin, a Lewis Bates, 
am I Marcel Lewis? I'm not entirely sure if I'm willing to spend however much it's going to cost to get Bellingham over those players. I, I, I don't think it's real. I don't think it's sensible. I don't think it's, it'll be a sensible purchase. Um, we've also been linked with um, Angel Gomez again. I just don't see how those buyers will be sensible um, in terms of just the bigger picture. Um, it, for me, it just I'm not sure how it'll make sense and how they'll fit. Joe, um, I, I want to get your thoughts on Bellingham actually because I, I know you've watched him quite a bit. What, what do you think about the signing? Um, the links in general, what do you think about the links? I think they're certainly like, you know, one of the, I said one of the downsides, like it's the only downside of Brexit. One of the downsides of Brexit for, from a football perspective is that uh, clubs obviously now, we can't go and target uh, overseas youngsters as early as what we normally do. So you guys like Christensen, Ake, all those guys that come through at sort of 15, 16 or whenever people have come over, you know, that's, that, that won't be the case now. You'll only really be able to sign players at 18, in which case most, you know, most kind of emerging talents would have probably made a debut for their home club or would you know, be infinitely more difficult to, to obtain. So what Chelsea have done recently, you, you see the, the, the guy that we signed from Wimbledon recently, we, we've signed, started to sign a few of the, uh, the kind of up-and-coming English talents sort of from the under-18, 17s and 16s bracket. I think Chelsea have probably gone a little bit ahead of the curve here than, than other teams in, in trying to get their kind of, you know, Brexit strategy or whatever you want to call it in terms of uh, like player acquisition for the academy. Certainly they're already like well ahead of other teams in terms of that. So I see Bellingham really as kind of one of the, the sort of things along those lines in terms of trying to get a player who certainly is very talented. Don't get me wrong. He is very talented, but I think when I watch him play, I get, I get kind of the sort of, uh, sort of deja vu back to watching Ryan Sessegnon play yeah. for Fulham in the Championship and how dominant he was and just how he hasn't really you know, been able to find his feet at Tottenham. Yeah. Um, you know, not really in the mix at all since he's kind of stepped up to the Premier League. And whenever I've seen him play, he's just looked like a young player who's you know he's got a bit of talent, but certainly not as special as what he's looked in the Championship. So yeah. I'm a little bit reluctant to, to get on the on the hype train with Bellingham, although you know, he is very talented. Certainly, you know when, when he's going to start playing more in his traditional position in midfield, central midfield, I think then teams will be become more interested. But the the fee I've seen Dortmund, it's like what thirty, forty mil. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's again, you know, going into the the numbers. I, I don't think, and again, maybe this is me slightly biased, or because I've seen more of Tino, but I don't think he he has that kind of ability. It, it, it's sort of in terms of, of what he can bring to the side. You know, Tino has mm-hmm. that sort of off the cheek quality of you know, being able to carry the ball through midfield, score goals, be creative. Know, be sort of powerful or defensive and, and he's kind of like the modern sort of you know kind of the modern midfield in terms of what you create him in terms of his skill set and Bellingham yeah very good player and yes it's great that he's already playing in the championship but you know word of caution would be certainly I think Ryan Session was certainly more impressive than what I've seen him be so far and I, I don't think he's he may, he may go on to become a very good player at Tottenham but at the moment I'm not seeing the, the transition to the Premier League but yeah. you know for him I think the Dortmund move complete sense you know they have a, a really really kind of strong uh, sort of development policy there. And if they, they invest that sort of money in, in him, they're going to give him every opportunity to to go on and, and become a, a top player. But for Chelsea, you know, you've got Bate, you've got Andrian, you've got, you know, uh, Javi Simmons. There's, there's loads of youngsters in that in that sort of central midfield spot who probably would feel that they they are better than him and probably have played against him in their age groups and probably outplayed him from from what I can remember. So it's, it seems a bit, uh, a bit of a crazy one for me. Yeah, I... It is strange. I, I feel like for for Jude himself, I think it makes a lot more sense for him to go to Dortmund and just follow the route that 
Sancho took. So maybe just play in their, their development squad for a period of time until, obviously, he, he's, he shows he's far, far superior for that level. And then they bring him into the first team. Because I feel like Dortmund are, it's almost like the, a safe haven for young talents to go there and thrive. So I feel like it would just make far more sense for his career, his development to go over there and then come back to England when the time is right. Because I think that that move back will always be there. It will always be inevitable. So I just think like that should really be the move. I think moving to Chelsea just wouldn't make sense to, to me at this point in time in his career. It wouldn't make sense. Um, another person that we've been linked with, this is probably going to be the last couple, um, Coutinho. I think that's all paper talk. I didn't want to talk about it too much. It just doesn't make any no. sense to me. Makes no sense to me. I know a lot of people, Chelsea fans, would be saying, "Oh, why, why not Coutinho?" No, it just doesn't fit. Again, it doesn't fit. I don't think. Um, if you look at where he's gone, so he's gone to buy um, Barcelona for four, 140 million pounds. Again, they banished him. He's gone to um, buy Munich. Isn't really setting the world alight there. They're not really going to exercise their option to buy. So they're just, it's quite clearly he's a talented player and he's capable of doing fantastic stuff. But does that transfer actually make sense to Chelsea? I don't think so. Again, I'm comparing transfers. Jeremy Boga, 22-23. Coutinho, 26 Mm, no, it's just not working for me. And then you need to talk about the fee. And then talk about the contracts. Yeah, it's just not working for me. I, it just doesn't really make sense at all. Joe, you're obviously the transfer expert. Oblak. Now, we've obviously got big problems in goal keep, the goalkeeping area. Um, Oblak. He's... Wow. He is sensational. He is absolutely sensational. Uh, 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 you 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 can't even describe how good of a goalkeeper he is. Is that an actual realistic target? And is it actually possible? So there's two questions here. Is he realistic? And is the transfer actually possible? Um... I think I think probably yes. I think it is probably realistic because I mean, how do you, if you're Chelsea, how do you you know correct one gigantic massive fuck up? Do you spend another absolute ton more money <laughs> on another one to sort of replace the? You know, I mean, it's it's such a Chelsea thing to do. But I mean, being slightly more realistic, yeah. I mean, if Chelsea see Kepa, I mean, so again, you know, looking back to the numbers, there's probably about forty million quid that we need to clear to to be in a profit on him if we sold him. So. If you were to give him away and say you value your value about forty million pounds, I mean, I'd be quite happy to give another 60, 70 million quid to get O back in. He he reminds me of when when Petr Cech was in, in his absolute prime, and I saw some some save percentage statistics come through a couple of days ago on, on Czech in the Premier League. Mm. Now, his peak seasons were just like um, they, they they're not even comparable. I think he's got like three of the top five save percentages of all time in the Premier League, yeah. which is nuts. So Oblak for me, he's got that kind of aura that you, you just don't think you're gonna you just don't think that the person's gonna score, and it's yeah. almost a surprise. Even if they're like one on one, you're like, oh, okay, he, he actually he actually got it past him. He, I mean, he's someone that you know, if you're talking about throwing big money at someone who. I would say almost guarantees that he's going to be an absolute superstar and perform to the level that you think your investment is going to be. 
and also something that I think changes the the, the kind of dynamic of Chelsea's sort of defence entirely just by adding one player who isn't an outfield player. Then you know it's it's for me certainly certainly plausible that it comes in. And I think again, you know, the thing that we can offer him is I'm I'm not sure really what his wages will be at Atletico, but you can imagine at Chelsea. If they're paying what I think they're paying Kepa like 130, 140, yeah. they could easily go to 180, 190 for, for Oblak. And I'm, I'd be very surprised if he's on anywhere near that sort of money at Betico. No, so, no, he may want a new challenge. He's been in Madrid for a long period of time now. How old, how old is he? League. He may want that big payday. How old is Oblak? I think he's late 20s. So, yeah. just a. I look because I look at him. He repl- he's the one that replaced Courtois, isn't it? When we bought back Courtois. Yeah, 27 years yeah, mate. Yeah, 27. That- Man, that's he, just right age, man. Like against Liverpool, I was watching him. I was thinking, Dude, you just can't, you just can't beat this guy. Like he's so unbelievable. I know they score, obviously they score goals, but then I just the amount of shot stops that he made that were fantastic saves. You're just thinking he's unbelievable. It definitely casted my mind back to Pesacek before his injury, the head injury. A million percent, I get the same vibes. He's so imposing. He's Big, he's commanding, he's dominant. You know what I mean? He commands his area. He clear, he will clean out people as well. He just, yeah, exceptional reaction speed as well. It's just, yeah, I, I'm praying to God we make that happen. If we can jingle Atletico Madrid because they owe us money, they owe us money. So if we could jingle that, sell um, them Kepa, and we get all black. Oh my God! Ah, I, I, I don't know what I'd do. I do not know what I'd do. But here's to hoping. I don't know what else. I, I He'd be a great signing. But again, if we don't get Oblak, I really do hope that we look at getting Onana. Because I do think Onana is a very, very good goalkeeper. Very talented. Again, slightly on the shorter side. He's 6'3". Um, a little bit short. I kind of prefer keepers to be on the taller end, like 6'4"-ish, 6'5". But... Yeah, I, I'd take it. You know, he's good. He's taller than Kepa significantly, I think. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that the goalkeeping area we need to upgrade. If we can, at centre-back, um, obviously winger and a striker. And I, I think our midfield area is quite comfortable. Oh, obviously I'd like Partey, but I'm not sure how possible that is. He's been linked with Arsenal, of all places. Oh, if Chelsea allow that to happen, if any club allows that to happen, God help us. God help us. Absolute baller. Oh, but anyway, one more question. Now, Jay, obviously Ethan Ampadu is coming back from, a, uh, I want to say a good loan. It's been um, an interesting loan for him, an experience for him. Um, yeah. He's not really played that many games, um, but he did perform at a high level um, against... Um, Tottenham in the Champions League. What do you do with him when he comes back? Because I'm talking about getting Thomas Party, but could there yeah. be an argument made for him being our defensive destroyer, deep sitting midfielder that can rotate with Billy Gilmore? Yeah, 100. I think, I think um, where. It's, it's tricky with obviously the midfielder because I, I agree with you in terms of like the quality of Partey and, and the kind of like the profile player that the, the profile that he has as a player for, for Chelsea would be ideal in terms of if we did end up selling someone like Jorginho and my thing is 
I think our midfield is so good in terms of like the quality that we have got at the moment, young and you know the more experienced and the guys that are kind of in their peak. I think we've got so much quality there that we can even afford to sell Jorginho and probably get away without replacing him. Mm. Only reason being is because we've obviously had the surprise emergence of, well, I say surprise, it's a surprise to the world, but it's not a surprise to us, that are Chelsea fans, but surprise emergence of um, Billy Gilmore. And then we have Ampadu, who we also know about, who's got, who also has got a very bright future as a footballer. And I think not just possibly for Chelsea, but for any team he ends up at, I think Ampadu will be a top player for them, but um, he's still got quite a bit to learn. He's a fantastic um, player in terms of, he can play with the ball at his feet. So I think, He's he's good to have around in terms of if we do need a player that can fill in fill in that um, deep line playmaker, but he's also a great tackler in it. So I think he's slightly different to Gilmore, and that will probably be a plus for us as well. Yeah, like we've got two different players that can play in that same position. Yeah, one with a bit more aggression, a bit more you know of a defensive mass, and then we've got one that's a you know complete baller. Yeah, you can just get him. And I guess that's, so, that's that's kind of why I wanted Partey as well. So I wanted it to be a, a Thomas Partey and Gilmore area. But then again, yeah. you're thinking if you're spending £60 million on Partey, however much it'll cost, you're, probably, you're pretty much going to play him more often than not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas if it's Ampadu and Gilmore, I guess given... I feel like maybe just give Ampadu the opportunity. If it doesn't work, yeah. Then, yeah. then you can look for options. Cool. And then you could try and fit and produce elsewhere as a you know a rotationary player, like the third choice DM midfielder, etc. Or just loan him yeah. out or sell him, really and truly. Um, yeah. If you just give him the opportunity, I, I thought I think he, I think it's worth looking at giving him the opportunity because I, I don't think he's a, a, a bad player. I think he's got good quality. One thing I really do like about Ampadu is his aggression and his aggressive in the tackle. Um, so he can add, definitely can add a bit of steel. He's not short. He's quite tall as well. So I just think, yeah, I think he's worth an opportunity, and I think he's worth looking at for the coming season for I sure. Well, I think as well. Like the thing is, even if he comes back and it's just him and Gilmore that we have to rotate in that position, I think it's not always going to be a thing where Lampard will have to rotate one of them um, and start that formation. Obviously, if he goes to like a four-two-three-one, we still have got like Kante cover do you know what I mean so like if he wants to I know it's not it, it, it might not be the best way or the best formation that we play at the time but he still has the option to do Kante cover mm. if Gilmore for example is injured or suspended or something so like there's options there it doesn't have to always be a thing where Ampadu is 100% going to have to be the one that comes in as well so yeah. I think it will definitely be good for Ampadu to just come back be around the squad try and get himself into into the first team and see and like you said rotation as well like he can play centre back as well so yeah man it'll be it'll be good to see him back I think next season yeah I agree I agree um, I think that's it really goodness me it's been a long one but it's been a good one I want everyone to stay safe obviously in the in the midst of a pandemic I want everyone to stay safe please listen to regulations listen to the rules please isolate so we can actually get over this thing and get back to our normal lives it will take some time but there will be light at the end of the tunnel soon I'm hoping and praying but yeah everyone take care um, we'll be back next week covering a array of 
topics, pretty much covering some old Chelsea games, some classics. Um, but yeah, take it easy, guys. I'll see you lot next week. Joe, thank you very much. Jay, take it easy. Yeah, take it easy, man. Uh, yeah, cheers, guys. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade clean. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Sports Social Podcast Network.